Hey everybody, it's time to roll for intent in the Creator's Corner. I am your friendly GM, Trevor, and with me tonight we've got Christian, uh, our wonderful rules lawyer, the voice and player behind Asmordran, the alchemist, and our uh, and my co-host tonight, wonderful creator of Beast Foundry. Awesome stuff. How you doing tonight, Christian? I am doing just great. We have a lot of fun stuff to go over with everyone tonight, and it should be a good time. Yet another potentially overlooked chapter from the Lost Omens Travel Guide, though this one probably has the most mechanical content in the book, honestly. Yeah, I don't think this one will actually be that overlooked. I kind of feel like it'll be a go-to chapter for a lot of people to just <laughs> get to come back and get stuff. Maybe. The uh, alchemical stuff does have some good merit for non-world building, so that is neat. I actually completely missed that, right? When I first looked at this chapter, you're like, hey, we should do this one. I'm like, ah, whatever. And I missed all of the cool stuff about the alchemical crafting components and, and the, the pets that you could potentially use as familiars and the modifications to monsters. It was really cool when I actually sat down and read it four times today. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it, the, the section that really stood them out the most to me, too, was the uh, monster locations for the famous monster hotspots, they call it. and realistically there is only a tiny amount of monsters represented and i feel they could have made an entire book about this one little section in it it really is just a pretty small section and i was like oh wow i i just got through the page and i was like yeah no this this needs to be its own book <laughs> this is pretty much fantastic beasts and where to find them it is, you know, and we we touched on something before we we started recording about how you know it, it the the writing on this one at the the very beginning is you I, I can see where above above all the other chapters to me this is the most foreign for someone to write because you know we can sit there and we can think yeah trolls trolls are awful they I, we can imagine these giant monster trolls but but to really try to imagine this ecosystem in where there are giants and dragons and trolls and hydras and all of these things they all live here and to try to really wrap your head around that and figure some of that out is just like it is mind-boggling you're just like yeah take take all the animals in our world you know multiply how dangerous they are by a factor of a hundred and then multiply how many there are by a factor of a thousand and you still wouldn't even have touched on it yeah, I, I always have a lot of difficulty reconciling just the fact that multiple intelligent species rise on a given planet at the same time. Just on its own, that's a difficult fact to reconcile. But add into it the fact that there are, as of the recording of this, literally hundreds of monsters in the bestiaries that would like nothing more than to eat every single one of them and have the means to do them being orders of magnitude more powerful than just an average goober, right? That's yeah, hard to wrap your head around just as a player or a GM. Imagine having to write content around that, man. Yeah, it's like playing, you know, a, a modern setting, but you're saying, oh, uh, by the way, uh, Godzilla and Pacific Rim is real. You're going to need to include that as well. <laughs> you're like, wait, what? <laughs> how, how am I supposed to do that? I don't know. <laughs> Good luck. 
you know, kind of to that end, um, I want to just dive right into this because we were talking, like you said at the beginning, the beginning of this is not as impressive to me as some of the other chapters. And I think you're right. It owes to the fact that the idea of writing this is so foreign to us because trying to talk about a world in which monsters exist and live side by side with people, you know, not necessarily. Uh, shoulder to shoulder, but the wilds have wargs, man. You know, you go out in the woods, and it's just not just some some wolves. It's uh, in the woods. There's a lot more bad things, right? How how do you how do you write about that in a way that is not only uh, informative but kind of sensitive to the fact that these are living creatures because this is written from the perspective of a naturalist of some sort, right? So talking about the fact that there's creatures out there that can kill you, but they're just kind of doing their thing is such a foreign concept. Yeah. It's, it's really challenging to me. I mean, you know, (laughs) our world's got one sentient race on it and we're often at each other's throats. I can't even imagine that, you know, in the, uh, you know, if you look on Pathbuilder to make your character, I believe there are, what is it? There's 32 ancestries and even more, you know, half heritages that include tieflings and, and things like that. It's, it's mind boggling, as you said, and that doesn't even touch on the monsters and things like that. And, you know, to really look at how our world developed, you know, we had this, you, 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 it requires peace to be able to develop you know, into this enlightenment to make these progressions and things. And like, that doesn't exist in these worlds. There isn't peace at that kind of level because things are going to show up and you have to have a defended fortress to keep all of these horrible things out. And once you've left that area, you're like, yeah, no, it's, it's fair game. (laughs) Anything could happen. Oh yeah. I would argue that there's, you know, far more sapient and and sentient creatures on Galarian than, you know, you can even touch on looking at the ancestries because probably three quarters of the monsters are, you know, have an intelligence of eight or better, right. Or, you know, whatever the threshold is, I think it's actually six. And, you know, you said we have one sentient species. I would argue that we have like three total on, on, on earth, but, uh, we all occupy very, very different niches. That got weird there, but I don't care. I think elephants are rad, man. <laughs> you you run with it. What what are the three? I love, I, if I, I had to guess, I would say I would say humans, elephants, and dolphins. Humans, elephants, dolphins. I think there's a strong argument to be made for orangutans, um, gorillas, and bonobos and chimps. But uh, that's they a also completely have, um, like a lot different. of really um communicative abilities amongst uh cephalopods and octopi and stuff like that too oh yeah man octopi are rad and then corvids are insanely intelligent as well but this went to a completely different place (laughs) just kind of going along the same line we're all now we're thinking about nature so it's on the mind indeed i think actually uh, you know beyond the the going on you as this starts it hits the natural world and the animal life and it does really talk about more of the mundane animal life not the monsters because again it's would be very very difficult to try to wrap your head around that but i think the part where it really starts to get really interesting for me too is when they talk about the pollution section And that was just such a fun section for me to read because, you know, it talks about how the cities start to populate and pollute 
and that pollution gathers and it attracts these specific monsters of kobolds and sewer dragons and and things along those lines and it, you know it just goes on from there to different settings and it covers all the way from you know magical waste that you know from magical experimentation and things like that to you know planar energies that are seeping through and you know, wreaking havoc on local ecosystems so kind of your your captain planet style adventure you know I, i'm sure everyone groans hearing that of a certain age but you know it's kind of a fun thing to really look at and see the these weird creatures that might have come about that have been just steeped in these pollutions and Things like that. Uh, now it makes me want to uh, create a party of Gosra worshiping teenagers that all have elemental powers, and they can combine them to bring up an avatar of Gosra. And it's it's pretty much the Planeteers. All right, as soon as the kineticists are ready, guys, we're going to do this. Heck yeah! <laughs> First kineticist yeah, campaign. But yeah, the, the pollution section is really neat. There's a lot of cool stuff that's very you know we we. We like to talk about on the show uh, how you can use this as a GM in your campaign, not only in Galarian, but anywhere. Uh, I think the pollution is a lot of really, really good fodder, not just for creating like a pinch point for a, a campaign to, you know, find out the encroachment of people or, or a creature or something that creates the conflict, but as just this weird, uh, space between intended and unintended consequences of an action. When I was at Gen Con, I did this really interesting workshop where we were talking about collaboratively building a dungeon and running it. And one of the hazards I had created, we were underneath a lich's tower. It was a wizard tower with a lich in it. And he essentially flushed all of his failed magic and experiments down into the basement, and it coalesced and created a creature, which is something that exists in Pathfinder, and the name of the creature, I cannot think of it off the top of my head, but it's a conglomeration of alchemical and magical nonsense. But that's essentially pollution. That's magical pollution. They talk about in here the mana wastes in uh, Pathfinder that are, that are the result of a war between two opposing uh, nations, Nex and Geb. And it's an area where just magic is just all messed up, just screwed up. These are the sort of things that you have to think about in a world where the technology is foreign, the magic is foreign. There are going to be consequences. And while you might not want to call it pollution, that's what it is. It's humans or sentient creatures or, you know, civilized society, air quotes, Encroaching upon the natural world and causing effects, whether they be all negative or partially negative or positive in some way, those impacts modify the world. And those impacts can modify the sort of things that you encounter. Uh, Christian was talking about the sewer system. They specifically talk in this chapter that there are Atuyas, which is like a weird aberration, living in the sewers that they use essentially to clean garbage and crap out of the sewage system, right? That they live there because it fills a niche. It's an ecosystem for their them born from the pollution of people. It's really cool to, to add that layer of 
depth to your world, that the sewers aren't just full of rats. And they're not just, oh, we have a hydra in here because that lives in the water. Well, why would a hydra be in here? But what we do have in here is a real sick, nasty Atuya because he eats stuff, right? And he's useful and he fills a niche. That's the type of prompts that makes a world feel real. Not just dropping a monster in because you think its stat block is cool, which is fun as hell. But it might not necessarily be what your players need or want to progress the story and make that story feel real for them. And and using prompts like this is great for that. I I will say with the Atuya, I vividly remember when I was a teenager many decades ago and we were all playing D&D and, you know, they were a common monster for sewers and things like that. And at one point we've been using these things for years and I don't know why, but you know, we were just dumb kids. And at some point we realized, wait a minute, these things are almost of average intelligence and speak common. They don't look like they do. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, wait, how can that be? It's What's their really proximity funny. to people, man? They got to learn it somehow. You are what you eat. I'm pretty sure an average Atuya is about as intelligent as Billiam Thwomp. It's probably a fair assessment. He's got battle intelligence. We've covered this many times. <laughs> and, you know, uh, after the pollution section, you hit into this uh, section on flora where they do have some really cool pictures where they cover very specific things. There's Asmodian grapes and lover's clover and mandrake roots and and all kinds of things. I, I do wish that there was maybe a little game mechanic on this stuff here. Just anything it, because they are so cool that I would really want to have them involved a little more and obviously you can you know do do whatever you want with them but to just have something there i thought would have been would have been a really fun thing because you know as soon as you hit the next chapter of fauna there you do get into this the uh, all kinds of stats on buying pets and there is you know good lord there must be 20 20 pets listed all the way from you know a rabbit to a butterfly to all kinds of exotic stuff too so there's it's really interesting and they have you know treats for them collars cages and all that stuff and i'm like but there's these really cool pictures of these plants and like nothing and i was like oh i wanted something there's actually 36 animals listed in here and a lovely uh illustration of a pet shop in which a lot of them live i think they added a couple creatures in here that didn't exist otherwise before yes they did it was really cool there's some like the cradle minder it's this very adorable frog gargoyle looking thing. And it is absolutely adorable. And I want one. <laughs> I think it's actually called a cradle minder. Oh, minder. Sure. I put the wrong <laughs> emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, it's meant to be like a, a, a companion for a child. And when they imprint on somebody, if that thing's ever in danger, they like scream bloody murder. It's really... It looks like this horrible demon thing with puppy dog eyes, and I it love does. it. It's it is so, so cute. cute. <laughs> <laughs> they got this other thing called a uh, uh, Kyalini, which is like a shadow monkey almost, which would be a really cool base for your uh, your shadow caster familiar, right? That'd be really neat. They got this cute little cat for you cat people that has some lore behind it that they're very rare because they all died out or went feral after the galt revolution it's a galt and orange cat lots of neat stuff what i really do love about this picture is it's kind of got these mostly 
the picture is these unusual creatures, almost exclusively, but giant letters, domestic opossum. <laughs> and I'm just like, why is that so rare that it's with all these other things? It kind of cracks me up. Yeah, the, the domestic opossum in that picture feels a little strange because, you know, if you know anything about opossums, they're pretty tame to begin with anyway, right? Feels like you could do that in a few, in a few lines of breeding. And there is a, another section where they, the herbalist shop, and they have some pretty fun, uh, I mean, they don't officially call them catalysts because I do think catalysts have the catalyst trait or something like that, don't they? Right. These I, are specifically meant when you're activating alchemical creations. And I think it requires you, based on this, um, it requires you to use uh, the herbalist archetype or something. I don't see a specific keyword in there, but in the flavor text for this, it talks about using these items as herbal items if you have an herbalist archetype. But I don't see the necessity of, of keeping the it. The only thing they said in there is just about how you craft them with the quick alchemy. And oh, that's true. That's true. And it discusses the additive trait. But for the most part, they're like, you know, this curled cure gel. It, it, it's just something you use when you treat wounds. And if you successfully treat wounds, you reduce the value of pick one, clumsy, enfeebled, or stupefied. You reduce that condition by one. And then they're immune to this for 24 hours. And it doesn't even have an additional usage effect or action economy. It's just something you can use in the process of treating wounds because a treat wounds is a 10 minute thing. So they're just, you're using this while you're doing that. Whereas they have one, I think there's only one additive in here because I don't know if this is, is this new? I mean, I know you're kind of a fan of Alchemist. Is this additive trait new for this book? No, uh, additive has been there. It's not very prevalent, so I'm I'm really hoping we're going to see more of it, but it is something that has existed since the core book. Okay, well, see, that shows my ignorance of alchemists, uh, prepared casters, and anything that I have to track those sort of pesky uh, consumables really really yucks my yum when I'm trying to play. But this this item allows you to use quick alchemy to make more potent poisons. It's It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty fun little one. And there the the last bit of this chapter is we kind of jumped on it first was this famous monster hotspots and it it shows you a map of Galarian with some highlighted geographical regions and it it's showing you things like manticores and sturges or whatever they call sturges now and gelatinous cubes and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to see this having been fleshed out to its own chapter entirely. This could have bundled. If, if I had one complaint about this entire book, it's that this subsection of the chapter did not do enough with such cool stuff you could do. And uh, me and Christian were talking before we started recording that this could be its, whole, its own book, or it could be a series of books, almost like a monster splat book, like aberrations of... Mwangi or you know whatever could be so cool i i wish i had had this book a few years ago because uh early early on in the uh pathfinder 2e after his release so we, we did adventure and i don't know how this really happened but it devolved into them wandering around finding animals that they could sell to pet stores and these really you know cute harmless animals and this would have been such a great 
supplement to have to to really expand on that and maybe even have them make their own business and things like that. It, it would have been a lot of fun. We'll probably see a little bit more of that sort of stuff in the Eldamon stuff coming from uh, Wolf Combat pretty soon. Battle Zoo. Oh yes, their 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 Kickstarter is live right now for the Eldamon. That that should be a really fun thing. They do that's going to be pretty really good. Neat. Yeah, Mark Mark does great work and he's really good at balancing stuff. So. Well, he ought to be. He was like the Yo, primary brain behind the system, man. He ought to know I what know. he's doing. <laughs> well, this one looks like it's going to be a little shorter than our other ones, but you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit less content than this. There's a lot of pictures here, a lot less words and a lot more pictures, but the art is phenomenal. Yeah. It's got like two complete full art pages. No, three counting the uh, region and then another two pages showing flora and fauna. So this one is a pretty art heavy chapter. Yeah. They, they have this special section for fauna. That's really, really neat that they talk about like unique versions of animals that you would know for the most part, like obviously owl bears are not real, but they have specific variations of specific creatures like an Irasani owl bear or a Sarkorian wolf or a, a, a Bacali alpaca. Uh, specific regional variants of creatures. There's a a rat from Geb that is like a specifically uh, dangerous uh, large rat. So it's pretty much an R-O-U-S from Princess Bride, and I love it. And there is a jackalope. And this whale with tusks, or a, a dolphin with tusks called a whale steed. Pretty rad. He looks pretty cute. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up for this this chapter. Unless yeah, you got something else, Christian. No, I think that that pretty well covers it. It was it's a fun chapter, and I really just need to stress again: this book is actually very entertaining to read. It is just if you enjoy reading, to just sit down and read the book is a lot of fun. And even if you're not running a game in Galarian and you have your own world, there is so much here to really help make you bring your world more to life and consider things that you have not considered before. So it really is, is a great read and a great tool. So I couldn't recommend it enough to people. I think this book is a real testament to the stable of on staff and freelance writers that Paizo has cultivated over the past, you know, nearly 25 years of being in the business. I think the 25th anniversary of Crown of the Kobold King is coming out very, very soon. Is that correct? I'm I'm trying to remember. Maybe I'm talking completely out of my butt. Maybe it's 20 years. But they have done a fantastic job of getting some of the best writers in the industry on these and having each of these chapters written by a different individual really feeds into making sure that the flavor feels different between chapters because the writing style changes slightly and, and the use of idioms changes slightly. And it's not just one person inhabiting multiple people. It's multiple people inhabiting multiple people. So you're not going to get bored with a writing style, you know? Um, and not to say that any of these are boring, but it's not like we have 40 pages written from the perspective of one person. We have little chunks written from the perspective of an individual that is supposed to be real in this world and their voice is consistent and then each of the voices are consistently different it is so neat and i absolutely love this book and if you have not bought this book which by the time of reading this you can't unless you're a subscriber 
go buy this book. Whether you buy a PDF or you buy it uh, at your local game store, support the content creators that are putting out this good content because unless people buy the books, we're not going to have this sort of content forever. So support your game stores, support your content creators. It's very important for this hobby that we all love to stay alive. Absolutely. And it is, you know, it's the lifeblood of the industry. Without that support, you know, you wouldn't have seen basic Dungeons and Dragons turn into second and third and fourth and fifth. And, you know, they're, they're working on another edition compatible with fifth. I don't know what they're going to call it, you know, 5.5, 6E. I'm sure they're not going to call it either of those things, but you know, and then that expanded into Pathfinder and Pathfinder 2E, and all of these things continue to evolve, and we have so many wonderful games now, too, because of the strength of this hobby, where Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, I mean, I could name stuff for an hour of <laughs> so many different games of Star Trek and Dune, <laughs> just GURPS and Mutants and Masterminds, <laughs> I mean, just go on and on. Yeah, and all of that is on the backs of those of us that buy this content. And is created by uh, dedicated teams of individuals working together to bring this content to people. Not only the writers, but the artists. And, you know, I don't want to say typesetters. I don't know what they're called anymore. But the people <laughs> that do the graphic design for the books. Um, there's a whole army of people that goes into these amazing books. And you think about what they cost. And even a physical book is cheaper per word than the original pamphlet for Dungeons and Dragons. We have not kept pace with inflation or cost of living or anything. So the least that we can do is buy as much content that they keep putting out at such a reasonable price. It's a bargain every time. So there's no reason not to scoop it up. So go buy it. Indeed. You will make and, someone very happy. And with that, we're going to sign off. This has been Roll for Intent creator's corner i'm trevor and i'm christian and also please check out beast foundry you can contact me through our role for intent discord i'm always lurking around there or you can check out the beast foundry youtube channel just search beast foundry on youtube and there's the beastfoundry.com there's there's plenty of different ways to find me so i hope you all have a wonderful week and please pick up this book. It'll be out in just a, a week or two after you hear this. Absolutely. Come check us out. Rollforintent.com slash discord or check out Rollforintent anywhere that you can find your podcasts. Have a great night all. Later. Later.